here are ready for the word of the Lord on tonight. If you are ready for the word of God, just put there in the chat, I'm ready. Glory to God. I'm ready. If you're not ready, get ready. Glory to God. Well, family, let me ask you guys a question. How many times in your walk with God or how many times in your personal life have you felt uneven? You felt like things weren't uh, where they should be. Or maybe as you evaluated certain aspects of your personal life or your spiritual life, it felt like you were excelling in this area, but you were failing in this area. Maybe you were doing good in your personal life, but you were failing in your spiritual life. Maybe you were doing well in your spiritual life, but you were struggling with your emotions and your physical life. So how many times have you felt all the way up until this point like you were teeter-tottering as you've gone through life. Maybe in one instance you felt excited, you felt overwhelmed with God's joy and peace, and then in the next season you felt overwhelmed by sadness and depression, and you know, it just seemed like as it was cloudy one or sunny one day is now cloudy on the next day. And then you're in a place where you're just like, God, why am I just swaying back? And forth. Father, why am I teeter-tottering through life? By a show of hands, how many of you guys have gone through that? I know I have. I know there have been walk, there have been times in my walk with God and times up until my walk with God where it just felt like I was teeter-tottering through life. It felt like I was just going up and down, up and down, up and down, and did not understand why. I was feeling that way. Well, you guys that have been with me for some time always probably can recall that you often hear me say that your life is your sermon. And you may have oftentimes heard me say that I had to live this message out. I had to live this series out. And this series is no different. Glory to God. The new series that we're starting on tonight is titled Maintaining Balance, Maintaining Balance. And one of the things that God wants to teach us through this series is how to, one, identify what balance is, and two, once we identify what balance is, how we as a people, how we as the children of God can maintain that balance in our lives. So if you are one of those people that can admit like I can that, you know, there have been times even up to recent where it just feels like you're constantly up and down, teeter-tottering through life. God says that you don't have to teeter-totter through life. In fact, it's not in the will of God that you constantly be up and down, up and down, up and down. The Lord wants you to have a balanced life. Amen? Amen. So do me a favor, open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. This is in the Old Testament. This is also uh, referred to as the book of wisdom. One of my favorite books in the Bible. Uh, glory to God. So again, it's the book of Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 1. I'm going to be reading from the King James Version. That's the KJV version tonight. However, you can use whatever translation or version you best understand or read from. Uh, the wording may be different, but the general meaning will be the same. So again, we're in the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. Uh, this book is right after the book of Psalm. And it's the book of Proverbs chapter 11, 
verse one. Now, if you're still getting there, that's fine. Take your time, but just make sure you get there. And um, of course, make sure you take notes as well. Amen. Now, before we get into this word, I have read the Bible from front to back, back to front. And I really do not recall <laughs> this passage of scripture. Amen. I'm, I'm going to be upfront and honest with y'all. Um, I've read the Bible from front to cover, from back to front. And I do not recall this scripture, but God brought it to my attention as I was prepping for tonight's message. So here it goes. Book of Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 1. The word of God reads, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Wow. I'm going to read that one more time. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord. But a just weight is his delight. That scripture is the foundation not only for this series, but also the foundation for the message on tonight. My message title for tonight is The Scales of Life. The Scales of Life. Not the scales like a scale on the fish. The scales. Like, uh, if you look at this picture behind me, um, if you guys look at this picture behind me, you see a picture of a scale. This is an old school scale. And this scale would normally be used to weigh gold, silver, currency, um, along with other things, flour, uh, seasonings, uh, all kinds of different stuff. But aside from what this is actually used for, you often see this picture of a scale in the justice system. You oftentimes see a picture of a scale uh, in anything that pertains to law, law school, courtrooms, the Supreme Court, lawyer, judge, you fill in the blank. And the reason, and, and when you look at the scales of justice, as I would call it, anything that has a picture of scale with the justice system, it's always balanced, right? It's always balanced. Because that's the image they want to portray, that justice is equal. But in some cases, we know that justice is not equal. Uh, and sometimes we know that justice sometimes can tilt to the right, sometimes it can tilt to the left, sometimes it's not always as balanced as they make it out to be. And the same thing with our life. Sometimes we have this visual of this scale, this scale representing our life, and we like to believe that it's balanced, but in reality, it's either too far to the right or too far to the left, since, in the sense, giving us that feeling that we're teeter-tottering through life, that we're constantly up and we're constantly down. Amen? But one thing I want to point out about our passage of Scripture tonight, it says that in chapter 11 of Psalm, uh, Proverbs, I'm sorry, in Proverbs 11, verse 1, it says that unbalancedness, not sure if that's an actual word, but that's my word. To be unbalanced, anything that is not balanced is an abomination unto God. There are a few times that God uses this word abomination to help us, to help illustrate to us how he sees certain subjects. For example, we don't like to talk about this often, but we must because it's the truth. In the book of Leviticus, God tells us that homosexuality is an abomination unto him. Why? 
Why? Well, first, let's clarify something. God didn't say the person is an abomination to him. He said the action, the deed, the sin is an abomination to him. And we got to stop judging things with the lenses of man. We got to stop judging thing, things in a way that God didn't intend us or call us to. Amen. So when we see that word abomination, God lets us know that that action, that that deed is an abomination, which means it is strongly against the will of God. It is strongly against the will of God so much that he condemns it. Amen. So God is saying in the book of Proverbs chapter 11, verse one, anything that is unbalanced, unbalanced is an abomination to him. It is strongly against the will of God for your life. God does not intend for you to be unbalanced. God does not intend for you to constantly be teeter-tottering through life. God does not intend for you to be balanced in one area and unbalanced in another area. God, the reason why, catch this, the reason why is because God is a just God. I'm going to say that again. The reason why is because the God, the one true God you serve, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, is the is a just God. Amen? So we talked about how this scale is normally referenced in law. To only find out that our God is a just God. What that means is that God respects boundaries. God respects his law. God does not do something that he forbids us not to do. God will never disobey his own command. God will never disobey his own law. But what does God do? He makes amendments. God makes amendments. What are amendments? Amendment is anything that is added on to an existing law, does not take away from it, but it adds on to it. To what? Bring forth fulfillment. Jesus was the amendment that God had already created. Because as you read scripture, and I think, I think it's in the Gospel of John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. It gives you the addition. It shows you what God had already planned from the beginning of time. Genesis chapter 1 talks about how God created the earth and the heavens and everything in them. It talks about how God created man. Chapter 2 tells you how man disobeyed God and fell from grace. It tells you how judgment was rendered unto the man and woman in the garden and how they were kicked out of the presence of God and how sin corrupted the entire earth. But in the book of Matthew, and, and, and the, the book of Matthew, the first gospel, it's your first account, the first glimpse that you get of salvation. It's the first glimpse that you get at restoration under God. In the gospel of John chapter 1, hallelujah, it gives you the fulfillment. It gives you the picture, the glimpse of the amendment. And it says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. And it goes on to say, <laughs> The word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. This goes hand in hand with Jesus said in the book of Matthew. He says, I am, ooh, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the fulfillment of the word. Glory to God. I am the fulfillment of the law. 
Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He was the amendment that God already knew that he needed. How do I know that? Because the word declares that there is not one thing that goes on in heaven. There is not one thing that goes on in the earth that God does not know about. It says that God knows everything. God is all knowing. And regardless if you believe that or not, it is truth. Glory to God. It is truth. So the God you serve is a just God. God, Yahweh, our heavenly father, is a just God. He had a fulfillment to the law when the law was already in, de in development. How do I know? Why, why do I say that? Because God knew that in our flesh, we were not going to be able to glorify him. God knew that in our flesh that we would never be able to work our way into salvation. God knew in our flesh that we would never be able to bridge the gap that sin caused between us and the Father. God knew that our flesh could never be sanctified unless there was a, unless there was a shedding of his blood. So what did he do? He put his blood in the form of the manifestation of his word, sent it down in the form of a babe in a manger with a work, come on, with a message that brought life, with a message that brought deliverance, with a message that brought healing, with a message that brought vision, with a message that brought deliverance. Come on. Come on. All because our God is a just God. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, God is a just God. Whenever you see a court, oh, I already talked about that. We'll skip that. Uh, see, again, when God created us, he intended for us to have a balance in our lives. That means not just part of your life, your entire life. God wanted there to be a balance in your spiritual life as well as your physical life. God wanted there to be a balance in your emotions even. God doesn't want you to be unbalanced in anything. Because as we learn in the book of Proverbs 11.1, 1, anything that is not balanced cannot please God. It's an abomination to him. Humanity, again, was first knocked off of balance when Adam and Eve disobeyed God by committing sin in the garden. Every time that we choose to disobey God, it will lead into us being unbalanced. Every time we choose to not obey God, we choose unrighteousness for righteousness. I'm going to say that again. Every time we choose disobedience, we choose unrighteousness over righteousness. God doesn't intend for us to live an unrighteous life. To live an unrighteous life is to live a life that is disconnected from God. Any life that is disconnected from the Father will be unbalanced by default. The only way that you can truly have balance in your life is to have the foundation laid upon God. Jesus gave a parable uh, of this in, 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 in the Gospels. He gave a parable of someone who hears the word and does what it says 
versus someone who hears the word and constantly disobeys it. He said, anyone who hears my words of instruction and chooses to obey will be like a person who has decided to build their house on bedrock. Though the waves crash against it, though the winds beat against that house, it will not fall. It will withstand the storm. But for the person who chooses not to uh, chooses to hear my word but not obey it is like a person who decided to build their house on the sand. When the waves and the storms and the winds come and beat against the house, it's going to fall. It's going to crumble because there was no real foundation laid. You've got to make a decision in life. What foundation are you going to build up off of? Are you going to build up off of the foundation of God's word or are you going to build up off of the foundation of self? Glory to God. Every time we choose disobedience over obedience, every time we choose sin over righteousness, our life will by default be unbalanced. My God. God gave us a chance to restore balance in our lives. Through Jesus, his son, by his sacrifice that he paid on the cross 2,000 some years ago. See, the enemy has deceived some of you. The enemy has deceived some of you for so long by letting you get the, the, the things of your flesh. Letting you get the things that you wanted in life. But as Jesus would say, what does a man profit? If he gains the whole world but loses his own soul. In other words, what does it benefit you? If you accumulated all of the success this life has to offer, you, 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 you lead and develop a billion-dollar business, you become a millionaire, billionaire, uh, you have all of the cars that you could ever want, you have all the houses you could ever want, you have all of the materialistic things that one could ever want in this life, but yet you have not received salvation, what would it benefit you? What would it benefit you if you, you got the highest degree that you could possibly get? You got your doctorate, you got your PhD, you got your MD. You were very successful in your career that you chose, but you still had chose not to receive salvation or to live an obedient life. See, the things of this life are temporary. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Even Jesus told us, store not your treasures on the earth where moths devour, thieves steal, and rust destroys. But instead, store your treasures in the kingdom of Gev uh, uh, Kevin, Jesus, Lord have mercy. <laughs> store your treasures in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, where no moth can destroy, where no thief can steal, and where rust cannot devour. Let me ask you, where are you storing your treasures at in this moment? Amen. Amen. You don't have to be unbalanced. You don't have to teeter-totter through life. You don't have to constantly be going up and down, up and down, up and down. You can have stability. You can have balance in your life. And it starts with the decision. It starts with the decision to one, acknowledge Jesus 
as your Lord and Savior. And two, repenting of your sins. That means turning away from your selfish desires, turning away from the, what the world wants, right? Lust, addiction, you fill in the blank. Help me help you. <laughs> Glory to God. When God examines our life, he's looking to see if we live a well-balanced or unbalanced life. Proverbs 11, verse 1. He's looking to see if we lived a life that was built on the right foundation, which is laid through his son, Jesus, or if we lived a life that was unholy and unbalanced. Well, you might be asking, well, Apostle, how do I measure my balance? How do I measure my balance? I'm glad you asked, because that's actually my first point. My first point is this, how to measure your balance. See, we can't talk about how to maintain balance if we don't know how to identify what balance is or what balance should look like in my life as a believer or as my life as a newcomer to Christ. Do me a favor. Open your Bibles to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 33. Again, that's the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 33. Again, if you're still getting there, that's fine. Take your time. But once you get there, make sure you follow along. And these were the words of Jesus. Again, the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Let's say it again. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Jesus is telling us that in order to maintain balance, we must first choose to seek the kingdom of God. We must seek God with a whole heart. That means seek God before you seek your pastor. Seek God before you seek your apostle. Seek God before you seek your parent. Seek God before you seek your grandparent. Seek God before you seek anyone else. Glory to God. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things shall be added on to you. Think of a tightrope. Think of a tightrope. When you see somebody walking on a tightrope, one of the things that you will observe, you'll observe two things. One, they have this long baton or pole that they hold and which helps them keep balance. And then you see them take one foot and slowly put it over the other until they get to the other side where the tightrope ends. This doesn't just happen overnight. This actually takes training. Somebody just can't walk a tightrope overnight and not fall. Sometimes you fall off the rope. But your decision to get back on the rope and keep going and going and going until you become a master tightrope walker to where you can 
find your balance on any length of rope to get to the other side where you need to be. Let that rope represent your life. Let that rope represent your life. Sometimes when you get into a season, you're walk, it's like you're walking on a tightrope and you're holding this baton, you're holding this pole and you're trying to keep your balance. But sometimes you find yourself falling off to the left or you find yourself falling off to the right. You find yourself unbalanced. But don't let that, don't let that get you weary. Don't let that get you upset. Don't let that get you discouraged. Because the good news is that the more times you fall, if you make the decision to get back up, you already have the victory. Amen. You already have the victory. If you go back into Matthew 6, if you go down to verse 34, he basically says, don't take stuff, basically don't take unnecessary stuff with you. Don't take what happened today into tomorrow. Don't, don't worry about what tomorrow has to bring. Don't worry about, you know, if this was unresolved today. Let God deal with it for you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the righteousness of God. In order to effectively measure our balance, we must press in and seek the Lord above all else. Not seek my pastor, not seek Google, not seek ask.com, not seek anybody but God first. By a show of hands in the chat, how many of you guys have chosen to seek someone else first before seeking after God? And don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Because I'm guilty of that as well. I'm guilty of that as well. Amen. We can't become righteous if we're unwilling to acknowledge the, uh, the, the unrighteousness that we have indulged ourselves into. Amen. But God, hallelujah, God will bring these things to our attention so that we could repent and do better. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, I'm guilty of that. There have been times, man, where I would go through a circumstance or I would go through a situation and instead of going first to God, find myself going to somebody else, asking them for advice, asking them for their, 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 um, their opinion, right? But then when we get the opinion, right, and we do what they suggested and it doesn't work out the way we thought it would work out, then we get upset. But how can we get upset when we chose not to seek God first? Amen. There's nothing wrong with going to somebody that you trust. But go to them second. Go to them second. Go to God first. Amen. Oftentimes we end up becoming distracted to the point we lose our focus. So you get that visual of the tightrope again, right? You're walking on this rope and you got this baton and you're trying to maintain your balance. But all it takes is for one thing to get you to unfocus for you to fall. And oftentimes that's what happens. When we find ourselves leaning to the right or too far to the left or we end up falling off the rope altogether, the reason why that is, is because we got distracted. Distraction is unnece uh, it's not necessary. It's a part of life. It's a normal part of life. Distraction is common. But do you know what God says about common things in his word? 
God tells us that there is no temptation. In other words, no distraction that the enemy could ever put in front of you that is uncommon to man. What that means is that there is nothing that you are looking at right now. There is nothing that's trying to get your, your attention right now that has not tried to do the same to somebody else that has overcome it. This is why it's important for us to indulge in community. This is why it's important for us to be in fellowship, not just on Sunday, but through Monday through Sunday. Doesn't mean we always got to get into a phone call. Doesn't mean that we always got to get into a video call. Doesn't mean that we always got to be in church 24-7. It just means that I should have some type of connection to accountability. It means that I should have some type of connection to the people of God to where when I need accountability, it is there for me. Let me ask you, is accountability there for you? Ooh, Jesus. Is there accountability there for you? See, a lot of people want to go to church nowadays because church has become more like a social club, more than an accountability group. It's good to socialize. It's good to fellowship. But we must not forget that as we are socializing and as we are fellowshipping, there is always a call to discipleship. And discipleship requires accountability. Amen. Amen. Where there is no focus, there will be no balance. Where there is no focus, there will be no balance. Let me ask you, are you focused? What is your focus on? What has your attention? Is it your distraction or is it God? Being unfocused is like walking while dizzy. There is no stability. It's like walking blindfolded where you can't see exactly where you're going. Or like you remember, like when you first wake up in the morning, your eyesight it takes you a minute to get your eyes to focus. For those of you that wear glasses, some of you, y'all know what I'm talking about. Glasses are prescribed for different reasons. You got glasses for reading. You got glasses for farsighted, nearsighted people. Like whatever your prescription is. Imagine taking your glasses off. Imagine taking your contact lenses out and you can't really see. Everything is unfocused and blurry to your sight. That's what it's like when you're unfocused. You're walking dizzy. You're walking with no vision. You're walking with no direction. The more, we press in, uh, the more we press into and seek the Lord through prayer, reading the word and application of the word to our, uh, our daily lives, we will begin to see areas of improvement in our lives and we will be able to properly, uh, we will be able to properly identify the areas where we are unbalanced. See, if you're unbalanced, you need vision. Say that to your neighbor. Neighbor, if you're unbalanced, you need vision. Unbalanced is a sign that you need vision. You need clarity. Glory to God. And the only way to get truly clarity that is from God 
you got to get into the presence of God. So how do I go about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Well, one, I got to make the decision to get in communication with my father. And I, I, I got to break the stigma. I got to break the thought process that I need my husband who is more spiritual than me to pray. Or I need my wife who is more spiritual than me to pray. I got to break the stigma, the thought, the ideology of, oh, I need my pastor to pray God, uh, pray to God for me, seek the Lord for me because I'm not capable. No, you are more than capable. You just got to make the decision to do it for yourself. Let's tell the truth. Sometimes we tell folks we're going to pray for them, and we ain't even bothered to pray for them not one minute a day. That's why I have gotten out of the habit of telling someone that I'm going to pray for them and pray for them right then and there. How many people have we told that we were going to pray for them and we never even prayed? Come on now. So, the more I make, the once I break that, that ideology, once I break that, that mindset, once I break that, 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 that cloudiness out of my brain and I make the decision to get in contact through Jesus with the Father myself, there's a difference. There's a shift that begins to take place. And then number two, when I choose to get into the word of God for myself, because see, sometimes we, put, we depend upon pastor to give us the word. We depend upon bishop, apostle, whomever to give us the word. And that's cool. That's cool. But let me ask you this. How can you know the fullness of what they're teaching you unless you open the Bible and you get into the word of God for yourself? How can you know that what they're teaching you is legitimately from the Lord unless you open the Bible and study the word for yourself. Come on now. So I must pray. I must read the word. And third, I must apply the word. Reading the word is like if somebody was to give you a dish, give you a plate of food, and you're eating it. Applying it is digesting it. You can't digest something that you can't chew. That's why it's good to start out with uh, small tidbits. That's why it's good to read, you know, get some uh, good commentaries to help you out. That's why it's good to get some good historical, biblical historical resources to kind of help you digest and get a better visual or understanding of what the word of God is saying and what it really meant in that aspect and its, con its right context. Come on now. But most importantly, going back to the whole, going back to prayer, asking God to teach you through his Holy Spirit, his word. Asking God to teach you through his Holy Spirit, his word. Asking God in prayer to help you to digest and apply his word and its principles to your life. My God. When you get in prayer. When you get in good study, study habits, when you get when you are consistent with applying the Bible to your life, what will then begin to happen is you will begin to get revelations that you never got before. You'll begin to hear the voice of God in the context of the word of God. 
and then you'll start to see the shift of how your life is coming into alignment to the will of God and how your life is now becoming more balanced because of your decision to what? Pray more, to seek the, uh, seek the kingdom of God first, to read the word, to pray, to apply his word. Amen. To effectively and accurately measure balance in my life, I need to evaluate my life in accordance to the word and will of God through the Holy Bible. But you will not be able to do that effectively if what? You're not seeking first the kingdom of God. God gives us a promise in his word. He says, seek me first and see if you will not find me. Seek me first, says the Lord, and see if you will not find me. When I pray, I should ask for a strong sense of discernment for myself. When you pray, you should ask God for eyes of discernment for yourself. See, oftentimes we want to discern everybody else, but we can't discern us. Mm. You want to discern every spirit that is uh, that is afflicting somebody else. You want, to, you want to discern everything that is wrong with somebody else. You want to discern what's going on in somebody else's life because you nosy, but can't even discern what's going on in your own walk with God. Discernment does not start with people first. It starts with you first. You want the gift of discernment? Discern what is going on in and around your life first. Amen. Jesus verified this by saying, how can you correct your brother? How can you help your brother get the speck out of his eye when you can't even see past the log in your own? Discern what's going on in you first before you try to discern what's going on in somebody else. Amen. Now that we understand how to find balance, and we understand uh, how to measure our balance and what that looks like. Now it brings me to my second point. Now we got to understand the impact of being unbalanced. The impact of being unbalanced. See, there are three areas in our lives where balance required, uh, balance is required. There are three. Write these down. There are three areas in our life where balance is required. Number one, physical. Number two, spiritual. And number three, emotional. So number one, physical. Number two, spiritual. And number three, emotional. We talked about teeter-tottering through life. And in one instance, we might have been healthy physically, mentally, um, fit body-wise, but then we, our emotions weren't right, or our walk with God wasn't right. Or maybe we were good with our walk with God and we were good physically, but our emotions were out of whack, right? All three of these areas are important elements to our life that must be balanced at all times. If one is unbalanced, it will negatively impact the other, amen. 
Your physical life consists of your health, your diet, how well you are taking care of your physical body. The Word of God teaches us that our bodies are to be temples for the Lord. Your body, your physical body, it was created to be a temple for the Lord. We are vessels under God, created by God for the glory of God. Amen? You are a vessel. What that means, a vessel, the purpose of a vessel is to be filled with something. What does God want to fill you with? He wants to fill you with his presence through his Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you with his favor and his anointing. He wants to favor, uh, I'm sorry, he wants to fill you with his purpose. There are so many things that God wants to fill your life with, your physical body with. But in order for God to constantly fill, up, fill you up, you must be ready to be filled up. And why is that so important physically? Well, Apostle, doesn't it say that our flesh is here today and gone tomorrow? Doesn't it say that our life is like a vapor in the wind? Yes, it does say that. But doesn't it say that we should care for ourselves? Doesn't it say that we should care for ourselves? Why? So that we can live a long life on the earth, so that we can have the fullness of God's purpose and plan carried out for our lives? Do you really want to get to the kingdom of God to say, to hear God say, well, you got halfway there. You'll still inherit the kingdom. You got halfway there. But if you would have just took care of yourself better, if you would have just, you know, went to the doctor when you were supposed to, if you just would have ate more healthier, if you just would have exercised a little bit more to where I could have just expanded your life a little bit longer to where your body could have held on just a little bit longer. So that my will, my purpose could be carried out throughout your life. Physical fitness is important, church. And it is in the word of God. Scripture. I'm sorry, spiritual. Spiritual. Your spiritual life consists of your wellness in the Lord. How much of the Bible have you read and applied to your personal life? Do you have a solid relationship with the Father through his son, Jesus? Are you actively sharing Jesus with people, even those who you may, be, uh, who you may think are undeserving of salvation? Think about that. Your spiritual life is not just consistent of you receiving, but also giving. I'm going to say that again. Your spiritual wellness, your spiritual life is not just about you receiving, it's about you giving. Amen? Let me ask you, have you ever felt led to share Jesus with somebody? Maybe you came in contact with an old friend that betrayed you. Maybe you came in contact with an old high school, middle school, elementary school bully. Maybe you came in contact with someone that just did you dirty in life. And you just felt that little push, that little inner voice encouraging you to share Jesus with them so that they could receive salvation. But you like, uh, who was it, Jonah? You like Jonah in Nineveh. Nah, I'm not, no, 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 it's okay. They don't need to be saved. Sometimes we let our personal biases get in the way of our opportunity to see someone get saved without realizing that in that moment, God was calling us to be used for his glory to impact somebody else's life. 
the more you mature in faith, the more you mature in your spirit, you will then become, you will then come to terms in understanding and learning that it's not about you. It's all about God. Amen. We, we talk about uh, John the Baptist and you often hear me pray this same prayer or something similar. Less of me, God, more of you. That should be all of our prayers throughout life. Less of me, Father, more of you. Less of me, Jesus, more of you. Every day that I wake up, less of me and more of you. Don't miss your opportunity to serve. Amen? Don't miss your opportunity to see someone else saved. Think about it this way. There was a parable that Jesus gave. And I believe that this wasn't just a parable. I believe this actually happened. And Jesus gave us a glimpse of a real-life story that transpired between a rich man and a man named Lazarus who was poor. Story goes, man Lazarus was poor, and he would sit at the, the house of the, uh, of, of the rich person. And he would ask him for some water, some food, some money. And the rich person would always deny him. Lazarus had sores. He had all kinds of medical conditions that you could ever think of. But, of course, he could not get the proper care or uh, care that he needed. And so what happened? Lazarus dies. But then the rich man dies somewhere in between. And it says that the rich man is in the, the fires of hell while he's looking at Lazarus standing with Abram. And he cries out to Lazarus, Lazarus, put your finger in some water and come over here and dip it in my tongue because it's hot. It's hot. And Abraham has said to him, no, nobody can cross from here to there and from there to here. See, the, the moral of that story is this. What if you were that rich person denying somebody their salvation? God purposely put someone in your life, regardless of how they treated you. God put somebody in your life to see how you would respond to them. How would you feel if you refused to minister salvation to someone and you were in the kingdom of God and you're seeing them suffer and torment in the lake of fire? How would you feel? How would you be able to have that peace and which surpasses all understanding when knowing that you could have saved somebody's soul just by being obedient unto God? That's how we have to look at the opportunity to share Jesus. It's not about forcing your faith. Forcing my faith is saying, you've got to believe this because I believe this. You've got to believe this or else. But sharing your faith goes like, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Can, you can I tell you about why I have made the decision to follow Jesus? Can I tell you the, the reason why I chose Christianity over every other religion that is on the market? Can I tell you the reason why I choose to believe in grace over works? But you got to be willing to share. You got to be willing to be judged. Amen. Because the Bible makes very clear to us that what God has accepted, the world has already rejected. Amen. Uh, the Christian church is already hated. Christians are already despised. Amen. We're already looked down upon. We're already treated unjust. We're already treated unfairly. Whenever people see our faith, it normally comes with a negative remark. 
but you are the ambassadors of Christ. You are to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And it's only going to get darker as time progresses. The Bible tells us that. But our hope should always be in Jesus because we have victory in Jesus. In the book of Revelations, it tells us that even through all the hell that we will go through on the earth, through all the hell we will face in the church, we have already overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And in the end, it's going to be spoken with one word and all of it's going to end and we're going to stand with Jesus for all eternity and victory. Amen. But it's all about maintaining balance while we're here on the earth. Are you willing not just to receive, but are you willing to give? Are you willing to share Jesus? That's the most important question. But the second question is, are you important to share the love of Christ? The love of Christ. There are some times where you'll come in contact with a homeless person, right? And I know everybody's objection. You know, I don't want to give them money because they're just going to go buy alcohol. And you may be completely right about that. But why not take that money into a Starbucks? Why not take that money into a restaurant, fast food restaurant? And get them something to eat. Amen. Why not take them into a corner or convenience store and get them something to snack off of or get some food that will last them for about a couple of days to a week? It's all about being the hands and feet of Christ. Amen. And lastly, your emotions. Number three, your emotions. Your emotions ties into the previous two areas. Your emotions, often related to your feelings, correlates to the previous two, your spiritual and your physical. When you get in the presence of God, it says that you will uh, be filled with a peace in which surpasses all understanding. That's a, that's a part of your emotions. When you feel peace, you feel joy. That's another part of your emotion. When you feel peace and joy, you feel excitement. You feel gladness. You feel happy. Amen. Where there is no peace, where there is no joy, you feel discouraged. You feel abandoned. You feel sad. You feel depressed, angry, resentful, lonely. You fill in the blanks. But I'm going to give you a disclaimer. At some point in life, your emotions will naturally get off balance. Not saying that's acceptable, but just forewarning you. Because life happens. And when life happens, it has a tendency to catch us off guard. Who can know the day nor hour that someone's going to leave this earth. How can we ever foretell what's going to happen on the earth unless God make it known to us? And even if God was to make it known to us, we still may not be prepared for it. It would still have an effect on our emotions. Having, a negative, uh, having negative emotions is a part of life. 
but it's about your willingness to press in harder to the presence of God that will make the impact, the type it will determine the type of impact that will be made on your life. Anytime that I feel anxious, anytime I feel sad, anytime I feel angry, anytime I feel depressed, I always try to make it a habit and best practice to press in even harder to God. The past couple of um, weeks, um, I've been struggling with anxiety. And it would always come in the middle of the night. It would always come like right as I'm about to go to bed. All of these, all this, just this overwhelming feeling of anxiousness would just come over me. And I did what I knew how to do best. Pray. Rebuke it. Cast it down. And then what I began to do was I did research on anxiety. And then what did I do? I began to get into the word of God and see what the word says in regard to anxiety. Amen. You got to do the same. Glory to God. You got to do the same. Because when you make the decision to go to God for everything and make God your top priority and make God your number one go to person, then everything will begin to fall into alignment to the word of God. Everything in your life, everything in your life, your emotions have to fall into alignment with the word and the will of God. But how can it fall into an alignment with the word of God if you don't know the word of God? Amen. Amen. Your emotions ties into the previous two areas. We oftentimes base our decisions on how we feel. Feelings can be deceptive, especially if you are unbalanced in the previous two areas. Don't base your decisions off of how you feel. Base your decisions off of where God is leading you. Where is God leading you? You will know the difference between feeling and God leading you. Because when God is leading you, not only will you have peace about it, but you will feel pushed. Like you won't be able to shake that thing until you give in to it. Amen. When you are balanced in both your physical and spiritual life, you give substance, foundation to be stable and balanced in your emotions. Say that again. When you are balanced in both your physical and spiritual life, you give substance, a foundation to be stable and balanced in your emotions. Amen. Lastly, once you become established, that's my last point. Once you become established, once you become, uh, once you become balanced, you then become established. I'm going to say that again. Once you become balanced, you become established. Once you become balanced in life, you then become established. You can either be established in faith, and which is in your relationship with Christ, or you can become established within yourself, your addictions, your relationships, your finances, etc. But think about it. Haven't you tried to put your step? Haven't you established your, yourself upon yourself? Did it not work out for you? 
only having you to be swift to and fro, having you teeter-totter through life, being unbalanced up and down, why not choose Jesus? Why not choose to repent of those ways of thinking, those ideologies? Why not repent of that way of life and choose a new way of life as you continue to embark on 2023 and see what God can do for you? Come on now. Once you become established in the Lord, it will require you to maintain your establishment, your balance. Once you become established, once you become balanced, it requires you to maintain. Amen? It's just like a car. Every so many miles, so, uh, after so many miles, after so many uh, months, you have to get an oil change. You have to keep up on the maintenance for the vehicle so that the vehicle can continue to run smoothly and properly the way that it was created and designed to do. You also must constantly be checking yourself in accordance to the word of God, continuing to build upon the foundation of God through his word, his Holy Spirit, seeking him first in all things. Amen. Amen. Once you become established, you got to learn how to maintain. And the good news is the next couple of weeks, that's what we're going to be learning. We're going to be learning how to maintain and what areas we need to focus in on while we're maintaining this balance in life. Amen. So the question becomes, are you ready? Are you ready to become balanced so that you can be well established? Are you ready to start maintaining your balance? Amen.